Brothers and sisters, grace and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. How many of you here can tell the future? Raise your hand if you can. Oh, I got one that says he can. Very, very shy and timid-like, but he can. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. You know, knowing the future would help a lot of things. If we could all tell the future like we wanted to, you know, we could do things a lot more easily. We'd be able to tell ourselves what, what is coming when. We'd probably be able to plan our calendars a lot better. If you're into some friendly gambling with your friends just over some fun card games or something, well, that helped you quite a bit. Of course, they'd also be able to tell the future, too, and then you'd have to be fighting that. I don't know how that would go. And, you know, I would like to tell you all here who did not raise your hands, you may not be able to tell me what's going to happen in 10 minutes or 10 hours, 10 days, 10 months, or 10 years, but you certainly do know the future. You know the future because God has told you what is going to happen. You know what's going to happen at the end of time. Christ is going to return. He's going to gather all who are His. And He's going to take them to live in eternity everlasting before Him. with perfect glory. Singing praises to Him. Unending. With a glorious choir of angels and mankind like you never could possibly imagine. I don't know when that's going to happen, but you and I both know it will. Rest assured of that. Moses knew that too. Moses knew the future. That's why Moses could do what he did in our second lesson today. I mean, the writer tells us, uh, he regarded the grace for the sake of Christ as of greater value because he was looking ahead to his reward. Moses knew his reward. See, Moses knew the promise of the coming Messiah. Moses knew that these people would eventually leave Egypt to be taken to the land that was promised them to Abraham, and the Messiah would come from that nation, and he would save every human being of every nation in the world and take them up to heaven just like we discussed. Moses knew that. And because Moses knew that, Moses could leave behind a life of luxury and go to work with his people, God's people, as a slave. Let's understand what Moses left behind, what Hebrews says the pleasures of sin he left behind were. Moses was living in the palace of Pharaoh. I mean, people and historians today still marvel at the riches that the Egyptians had. Moses had riches beyond belief at his fingertips. He had the best of education. He had servants who could wait on him every single day. Who knows, Moses might have even had the possibility of becoming a pharaoh one day if he worked right. Moses' life was just phenomenal. And he turned his back on all of that to go work instead with God's people as slaves and suffer with them because he knew his reward. Note the two things he did. Moses didn't try to live the best of both worlds. Moses completely walked away from the pleasures of sin in the Pharaoh's household, and he went to work as a slave. He very clearly drew a line and proclaimed to the rest of the world that he sided with God's people. 
and would not take part in the rest of it. Can you imagine that? I mean, can you just imagine turning your back on everything that anyone could possibly want and going to suffer because you knew that something better was coming? He didn't know when. He didn't know exactly how it was going to take place, but he knew it was coming, and he put his faith in it. Before Jesus was even here in this world, thousands of years before, Moses lift an example of what Jesus was talking about in the gospel today. How you've got to pick up your cross and follow him as his disciple and be ready to suffer as he did. Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, you're going to imitate me. And you're going to suffer. Nobody likes to suffer. Nobody necessarily wants to suffer. But as a Christian, you, you know what's coming. At some point, in some time, in some way. I don't know what that's going to look like. You know, fortunately for you and me, we live in a nation yet where we don't have to worry about losing limb and life for our faith. But we certainly are persecuted in other ways. And we suffer in many other ways in this nation as well. I mean, just think about it. We Christians are blamed for a lot of things. You know, we're, we're homophobic. We hate those who are homosexual, obviously. We don't let a woman do with, with her body what she wants to do. That's her right. She should be able to have an abortion. And how dare we speak out against it. People like to call us hypocrites. Because we'd say that the world are all sinners and we're so good. And yet here we are sinning just like the rest of the world does. Is being a Christian worth all of that? Or maybe more on a personal scale, is it worth not getting invited to some sort of party or something on the weekend because nobody wants that party pooper there who's going to say, no, I don't want to drink, and no, I don't want to do this or that? Is it worth being labeled a hypocrite when you go to your friend to try to correct them out of love and they just look at you and say, yeah, but you did that before too. So who are you to tell me? Is it worth the trouble that this world gives us as Christians? I mean, is it fair for Jesus to say, you're going to follow me, therefore you're going to have to suffer just like I did? Is it really fair that we should have to suffer like the Savior did? That was his job. Why do we have to suffer as well? Is it really worth it? To be mocked, to make fun of, to be called names, to be put down to be scapegoats for so many people. Well, if you know the future, which you do, it most certainly is. If you know your reward, this life and the suffering we go through as Christians is most certainly worth your time and effort because no reward in this world is going to match what you have in Christ. Now the problem is people are, like, people are like water. People want to take the path of least resistance. And when it comes to suffering, the sinful nature tries to get us to do the exact same thing. You know what? The sinful nature might even get us to try to play the follower of Christ card and the other card that says, I don't want to suffer. I mean, have you ever actually done that well? Have you done like Moses and made that line very clear and said, I'm not going to do this and then endured the suffering because of it? 
Or, or are there not times we try to just play the follower of Christ card and you try to make some excuse about why this is okay? Or we try to, to somehow play the Christ card and yet in some way try to fit in with everybody else in the world just so we're not the weird guy. So we're not the odd man out. Or maybe you've even become angry because as a follower of Christ, you still don't think it's fair that you be made fun of for what you believe in. And you don't think it's fair that Christ would subject you to this kind of humiliation in this lifetime. Maybe you've gone to bed angry asking God, why do you keep letting that happen to me? Every day I go to work and these people make fun of me. Every day I go to school and these people just hit me with all these, this mockery and all of these confusing questions about the weird things I tell them. Well, guess what? You can't have your cake and eat it too. Moses certainly didn't have his cake and eat it too. Moses clearly chose the side of Christ and he suffered willingly for it, joyfully even. Later on in the book of Hebrews, the writer would say that uh, these people suffered joyfully because they had a lasting possession. A lasting possession. You see, that's what makes the suffering worth it. Eventually the world's going to end. Time will come to a stop. And all these people who mock you, all the things that the world hates you for, they'll come to an end too. And as mean as this is going to sound, you're going to have the last laugh. You will have that lasting possession, that reward that Moses was looking forward to and that you and I still look forward to today. So is it worth it? Most certainly. Jesus made sure that it was worth it. And you know, it's, it's worth clinging to Christ. And the disgrace for Christ is worth it because Christ found you worth it. You know, Christ said that it was worth coming down here and leaving heaven for you. Christ said that it was worth receiving mockery himself as he lived and died for you. Christ Found, it worth, found you worth dying on the cross for so that you might be made worthy of eternal life. Is the suffering of this world worth it? Most definitely. Because Christ has made us worthy of everything through his life, death, and resurrection. Suffering will end, but what Christ has gained for you, your reward is that lasting possession that will go on and on without end. Suffering in this world is going to happen. Christ said so. And guess what? When Jesus says something's going to happen, it happens. But just as that suffering happens, so will that reward. It's all out of that. By faith, walk through this lifetime not worried about how you're going to suffer, but thankful that you get to suffer as a member of Christ's church. Let the Holy Spirit just work in your heart through the gospel to find joy in that lasting possession, to trust that that reward will come for you. Because guess what? If it, if it wouldn't, if suffering wasn't worth it, if this reward is not a real thing, then God would not have sent his son. God would not have preserved the gospel for you to know it. God would give us the sacrament to remind us and strengthen us in our faith. But he has. 
brothers and sisters suffering I'll just say it, suffering stinks you know I can't imagine even Moses went home every night after suffering as a slave with his people and said that was great but joyfully he endured and Christ says to all who endure the suffering of this world that whoever shall endure shall receive the crown of life and brothers and sisters that is our reward that is our power to keep going Paul said too in, in 2 Timothy 2.12 if we endure we will also reign with him can you imagine that you who suffer in this world are also reigning with Christ over this world so brothers and sisters suffer the saved are always going to suffer until time stops but that's okay that's alright because you and I know that this suffering has nothing on us whether it be the mockery that we face because of our beliefs or whether it be Satan trying to make us suffer by pointing the finger at us none of it sticks and one day it will stop and you and I shall forever stand in heaven where there will be no more suffering for the rest of eternity. Amen. Please stand. May the peace of God which transcends all understanding keep your hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join together to confess our faith according to the words of the Apostles' Creed printed for you on page 6 of your worship folders. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting.